You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, your weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I'm Steph, and I have two guests here with me today because they are co-authors and illustrators, so it made sense for both of them to be here, and I am excited about chatting about what they have to offer. So I am going to turn it over to them so they can both introduce themselves, and then we are going to get started. Hi, my name is Rose Ides, like the Ides of March. I'm an artist from San Diego with a background in community work. And my current specialty is metaphysical illustration. Um, My latest project with Aubrey has been the Oracle of Pluto deck. Hi, I'm Aubrey. Um, Aubrey Haldeshall. I don't expect anyone to know how to spell that or say it. Um, (laughs) I am an astrologer and a tarot reader. I'm based out of Denver, Colorado. and together, Rose and I co-created the Oracle of Pluto deck, as she said. And we are super excited to be here. So thank you for having us. Well, I am excited to chat with you both because I have your deck in my hands right now. And first of all, it's beautiful. It is all of my favorite colors. So it's like totally in my color scheme. Uh, and I love that. And also I am a Scorpio sun. So I love all things Pluto. <laughs> I'm very excited to, I worked with it a little bit, but I'm excited to dive in even further. So I would love to start at the very beginning and ask you guys for anyone who has not seen your deck yet, what is it? What can they expect? Do you want to go, (laughs) Rosie? Yeah. How about I talk about the art and then Aubrey, you can follow up with all the beautiful astrological uh, symbolism and meaning behind it. So, um, A big part of this deck are the shadow puppet images. And I thought it would be appropriate for a shadow deck to incorporate animals because when we look, let's say to land-based traditions, we find our ancestors and their metaphorical relationships with animals, uh, both of which do the work of holding a large part of the deeper and darker aspects of our psyches. So, Globally, you know, we have projected so many of our attributes onto animals. And um, additionally, we have historically mirrored the animals around us. Like they have taught us to hunt, to play, to become more aware of our potentialities. And uh, so I've also included many plants and like fungi into the backgrounds of these images for the same reason. And so by creating art that is like, representative of humans and their shadow that touches on these ecological relationships. I've attempted to lean into this extensive prehistory we have with our unconscious, which not only has been cradled cradled by their guidance, excuse me, um, but also I wanted to convey that much of our unconscious is actually not human at all. And so, you know, additionally, like these shadow puppets encourage oral storytelling, which you know, this is something that we and our ancestors have used to navigate our collective shadows. So truly, the reasons I chose to draw shadow puppets for this deck are so layered. And I even find the hand gestures to be useful for prayer and meditation, um, like mudras in a way. Uh, Even their origin in the Han Dynasty, uh, shadow puppets arrived from the grief of an emperor who lost his wife. And um, 
you know, isn't like love and loss, two of the most persistent pillars in continually generating uh, the shadow uh, underneath it all. So um, that's, that is just the beginning of my reasoning, uh, because as I continue to get to know myself through uh, many types of like investigative self-work, um, which is the motivation for this deck, uh, and just meeting myself over and over again as I grow and change, I uncover motivations for art I already made. And so I'll continue developing the story around this Oracle deck, around its art. And um, I think that's a great, you know, stopping point to like lead into uh, the writing of the guidebook and a lot of the astrological uh, symbolism around Pluto. So uh, take it away, Aubrey. <laughs> okay, thank you, Rose. So, um, you know, a lot of the things I will say that Rose just touched on there surrounding the artwork, it's all very Plutonian, right? Like it all relates to this process of shadow work, which is ultimately what Pluto represents in the birth chart. And so when I initially saw um, the artwork that Rose had come up with and this concept of the shadow puppets for an Oracle deck, to me, it was honestly just like an obvious marriage, right? Like I saw, and that was the first thing I thought it was like, oh, shadow work, right? And Pluto, um, and you know, Pluto, especially as we are sort of on the precipice of having this huge shift from the past 15 years of Pluto and Capricorn to the next 20 years of Pluto and Aquarius, um, it's sort of timely, right? The release of the deck. Um, and Pluto is something, you know, we all have Pluto in our charts. We all also have Scorpio somewhere in our charts. And that is a lifelong journey that we embark upon as far as, you know, as Rose said, meeting ourselves over and over again and meeting our shadow over and over again, which is, you know, the sort of equal part, right, to who we are. Um, and there's a lot of transformation, a lot of empowerment to be found in that process. And I mean, I loved the idea of the hand puppets, or excuse me, the gestures from the hands in the deck that create the actual like shadow puppet on the card, um, that, the, that the person, the user can actually create those if they want and recreate the actual shadow that's on the card. And I loved that idea of being able to tell our own stories, right? To rewrite our own stories, um, which is very often something that happens through the process of integrating the shadow. Um, and I will say like Pluto is, a major focus in my own astrological practice. And at this point, you could say it's like somewhat of a specialty in my astrological practice. Um, I work very closely with Pluto and I'm very sort of devoted to Pluto. So um, yeah, it was, it just, um, like I said, I just sort of felt like an obvious pairing of the two. Yeah. And, you know, like this, this deck, this Pluto deck, both Aubrey and I have our own special relationship with Pluto uh, symbolically in our lives. And this was like an ode to Pluto just for ourselves, not just as, you know, a contribution to the community. Absolutely. Well, I love how those ideas to get, came together and how everything came out. Um, just the idea of the shadow puppets and then what that turned into is so much fun. And it, I think it really sparks some of that inner child as well because we all tried to do that as kids I'm um, trying those shadow puppets on the wall uh, I have never been very good at it but like ever since I opened the deck I'm like I'm going to copy this I'm going to get it right 
<laughs> and it's just so fun to um, play around with. So it's like not only that shadow work that comes through, but a little bit of that inner child work um, is finding me as well as I work with it. Actually, mm -hmm. I really appreciate you saying that because that is something that Rose has talked about as well throughout this process, which obviously Rose, if you want to jump in, um, but you know, I personally love the sort of like whimsical aspect that comes along with the art as well. I always like joke like, oh, shadow work, but make it fun, <laughs> right? Yeah, which most I, people I do not really... like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, to touch on what both of you just said, um, there, there's, Pluto is multidimensional. And I think like the whimsical, playful aspect of this deck really highlights that. Um, like when I, when I think of my own relationship to Pluto, it doesn't only represent the underworld or unconscious, but also um, the before life and the afterlife and resurrection and the knowing that arrives when artifacts in the unconscious are brought to light and the transformational or shattering, shattering power that that can induce. Um, so it's not just like this darkness, but it's also the hidden light in the sky, you know, hidden by the darkness of its distance and its depth um, in space relative to us in the sun. But, you know, isn't that like so symbolic of faith and hope and um, keeping play alive, which are these very real but intangible lights that pull us through and out of our journeys and um, our own personal underworlds. And so I find that Pluto like symbolically aids me in having the courage to explore the depths. And I think courage and play are directly intertwined with one another. Yeah, I completely agree with that as well. And I think that that aspect of it and that playfulness and just having it in an Oracle deck format makes it much more accessible to a lot of people because shadow work can come across as like very scary and dark and traumatic. Uh, so to be able to access it in, first of all, Oracle deck format, but also to have that lightness associated with it as well. I think a lot of people are going to resonate with that. I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> what um, inspired you to start with making the Oracle deck? Because I do know that you are going to have a book coming out as well. So how did you decide on going the Oracle deck route first? Wow. Um, so it was kind of like just this fateful, synchronistic, um, you know what? I don't even have the words for it because it kind of just happened. Like I wanted I had started illustrating shadow puppets and I just fell in love with them. And I was like, I, I need a collection of these. I need, I need to make a deck. It just came to me. And um, I had made a post actually <laughs> on Instagram and um, that's how I connected with Aubrey and it just fell together. It just kind of channeled its way through both of us in this really uh, uh, powerful and um, just, very easy way. I don't know. Aubrey, do you want to add to that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, the whole thing does feel very like kismet, right? Um, <laughs> I almost never use that word, but here we are. It was very kismet. And um, as Rose said, you knew she had made this post with the artwork for one of the cards. And I just so happened to open Instagram on my phone at like the exact second after she posted that. And, you know, she was like, hey, I'm I'm going to create this deck. I'm looking for somebody to collaborate with to do the written portion 
um, you know, so respond to me, right. If that's something that you're interested in. And so I was just like, yep. You know, and I sent her the post herself and I was just like, hello, (laughs) like, let's do this. And, you know, we obviously, we had some conversations back and forth, kind of feeling each other out and seeing if, you know, we thought it would be a good fit. Um, And it is exactly like she said, like it almost just like happened, like the way that everything fell together and the speed and the ease with which it did, it just felt very like faded, right? Like this was supposed to happen. Um. So that, yes. So that's how we got started with the Oracle deck initially. Um, And hopefully Rose agrees with me. I feel we work together very well. Um, It's, you know, it's certainly the easiest and best partnership of any kind that I've had with somebody. And, you know, at a certain point, we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, well, what's next? (laughs) And, And then there was the book. Mm -hmm. The book and also a hundred more ideas. (laughs) Yeah, but we have no we'll, we'll get to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so magical how that happened and just like signing on to Instagram at that exact moment. Like, you know, the, the odds are astronomical for that to happen. So it really came together so beautifully. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I know. That's why it's like, it's it, um, sometimes it feels like silly to be like, oh, we connected on an Instagram post, but that was just the way it had to be. I don't know. And speaking of this excellent timing, maybe this is a question for you, Aubrey. Uh, You briefly mentioned the transit of Pluto uh, that's coming up in January. And so that is like great timing because Pluto so rarely transits in our lifetimes because it takes, like you said, like 20 years. Uh, So what is Uh, this significance of it moving into a new sign? So, well, I love that question. Um, So... Pluto is sort of unique from any of the other planets in the sense that the time that it spends in any given sign varies because Pluto's orbit around the sun is more of like an elliptical or like an oval and not a true circle. Um, and And because of that, right, like not its time in every sign, um, as I said, sort of varies. So Pluto it does take a long time to move through signs. It first entered Capricorn back in 2008. Um, And like I said, for the past 15 years, we've sort of been on that journey. And now as it is going to move sort of back into Aquarius, we had our little two and a half month window at the very beginning of this year. Um, But Pluto will be in Aquarius for even longer, right? Than it is in Capricorn or has been in Capricorn. We'll literally spend the next two decades as opposed to a decade and a half um, with Aquarius. So that, I mean, we could honestly spend the whole podcast episode talking about what Pluto and Aquarius means. <laughs> but, um, but there's a huge shift, right? That will happen both on this kind of collective scale And certainly in our individual lives as Pluto, um, the conversation, right, kind of around Pluto changes. Um, You know, again, we could talk about this forever, but Capricorn dealing with like the government and capitalism and the powers that be and, you know, sort of rules and regulations and all of these things where Aquarius then shows up to break those rules. Right. And they sort of seek to implement new ones, ones that feel more equal and accessible and fair 
Um, and, you know, also we'll look at like technology and obviously we're a super technology driven society. So I think the implications of that will be very interesting <laughs> over the next two decades. I am very excited to see all of that come into play. Yeah, it should be interesting. You know, my hope, and I mean, Rose, obviously, feel free to jump in here. But my hope is that as we're going through this huge collective transition, um, you know, especially throughout 2024, as Pluto still kind of continues to jump in and out of Aquarius, is that the deck can serve as this almost like an anchor, right, or perhaps like a beacon or both to help people navigate both what that shift means personally in their own lives, as well as the role that they're playing in the collective and what that shift means for literally all of humanity. Yeah, and I think that given Pluto's size and changing status, it's often overlooked, but ends up mm. having such a big impact. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so funny. I love that you bring that up because there's always that talk around, oh, it's Pluto a planet or not, right? <laughs> um, like, Pluto's the size of Russia. How can it possibly be a planet? I'm like, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, small but mighty, right? Small yeah. but mighty. Well, if somebody were just starting out and just picked up this deck, what would you recommend is a good starting practice from like the first moment that they open it up and decided that they're going to work with it? You know, the guidebook has some really great starting spreads that Aubrey had created based on her extensive experience being a reader and an astrologer and working with Pluto. So I think that's a, a great a great starting point. And also um, read through the whole guidebook first. You know, you don't have to wait until you pull a card to like find the animal or wh whatever card you pulled. Um, read through the whole guidebook and then um, start pulling your cards after that, after you kind of like gained a familiarity with um, this deck's own personality. I think that is a good start. Oh, I like that. Um, yes, obviously, I'm going to recommend turning to the spreads that are in the front of the guidebook. I think, honestly, like reading the introduction that is written in the guidebook is really important because I feel like it gives a lot of context around like Pluto and shadow work that maybe not everybody is familiar with. And being able to understand that and kind of have that framework when approaching the deck certainly is helpful. Um, and I say that because like the deck was designed very intentionally and specifically kind of around this idea of shadow work. And I even say this actually in the introduction, but it, it, through that lens, I don't necessarily know if I personally think it's like an everyday deck, right? Certainly I will always default to like, this is your tool. This is your practice. So it needs to just if that's what feels good to you, you want to pull every day, like by all means. Um, but also shadow work as a lifelong journey, just as our Plutonian journeys in our chart are a lifelong journey. Um, I think starting out slow is best. Yeah. And I really like uh, in the guidebook, you also have like the further reflections for each mm -hmm. card. So it really is like a study and more like, of, like a journaling mm -hmm. practice almost to really spend time with each one. Yeah, no, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, uh, you know, a lot of those further reflections were designed for, you know, is it journaling? Is it meditation? Is it 
something you go read or listen to or explore. And I wanted to do that because I think when we're engaging in like spiritual practices, a spiritual journey, um, tangibility uh, is something that's like really important to me because I feel like it's too easy to get out there with all this like nebulous stuff. And what does it really mean? (laughs) You know? And so I felt like giving these examples or, you know, activities or what have you was a good way to have that kind of like practical application piece or maybe make it more solid and tangible to people. Yeah, that really offers like a lot of different ways to work with each card or work within the spread and get a lot of sort of different answers and different aspects of life. So I really appreciate all of that detail that went into it. I appreciate that. Thank you. And speaking of the detail, the next question I'm going to ask you is absolutely going to be like choosing a favorite child. (laughs) And that is, do either of you have a favorite card? Favorite card of the moment, favorite card overall, whatever it is. Do either of you have a favorite card in this deck? Oh, we do. Yes. You do? I think, <laughs> well, I think for uh, both of us, one of our favorite cards that I think we share with, with one another, you know, is the goat card, because that is the card that brought us together. Um, would you say that's true, Aubrey? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's always what um, I mean. When people ask me that, I'm like, the goat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. That's such a good reason for it, too. Yeah, well, I, and go ahead, Rose. Well, no, I want to hear what you have to say. Is it about the goat card? <laughs> yes, and I was going to okay. say Rose has a very intense Capricorn stellium <laughs> in her chart, so she is the goat. So the goat makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think my, you know, I think one of my second favorite cards is actually the world card which I've I've had a few people reach out to me and say there's no shadow in this card but I'm here to say there is a shadow (laughs) it's projected onto the moon Um, if you look in the sky there is a crescent moon and the reason why I love this card so much is because of that subtlety and um, kind of like the elusive nature of our collective shadow and um, the, the shadow being the planet projected onto this moon and it, you know, symbol, symbolizing how um, while we're all individual kind of units, we can, you know, coagulate into this union um, and project kind of like this, this archetypal singularity onto something. And uh, I, I think that's so poignant for this deck because of um Pluto changing signs and um it having you know this kind of collective effect on us especially in Aquarius yes I love that that's beautiful um wow yeah I like that a lot um Rose is always so <laughs> eloquent and like beautiful and <laughs> things oh <laughs> thank you <laughs> I, I feel like artists and illustrators are always that way yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's a skill I do not have so I appreciate it a lot more in others yeah absolutely. I feel the same way I'm just... but those really are two beautiful cards I mean they all are and I have like a different favorite depending on the day um, well what is your favorite right now Oh, my current favorite is the pigeon. <laughs> I love really? it. Really? Oh, my, oh, my pigeon. 
I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm just like obsessed with pigeons. I'm constantly posting about them, like in my Instagram stories. I'm like pigeon posting all the time. Oh my gosh. Um, so I love to hear that. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. When I first was flipping through it, skunk was the first one that I saw that I was like, yes, skunk. And then um, when I was like looking through it a second time, I was like, oh my God, there's a pigeon. Like I was just finding something new every time. I'm like, oh my gosh, these are so much fun. And like, they're so different. Like you have like some, you know, themes and animals that are are more common and similar. And then you have some that like I have never seen in any sort Mm -hmm. of like Oracle or tarot deck or anything. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. Like I rarely see pigeons, rarely. So I was very excited to come across that one. That's so good. I know uh, when we were going through and and making the deck, Rose was the one she came up with the whole list for all 55 cards, right? And I was going through and writing and the Okapi card, I was like, what is an Okapi? <laughs> and I had to like research it and figure out what that was before I could write the card. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting actually, like, um, so obviously those animals, like you don't see those in the wild in the United yeah. States, right? <laughs> but I, I have a connection with, like I wanted to include that animal into the deck because, um, so I grew up in San Diego and they have this massive zoo and I used to take art classes there during the summer. And uh, my favorite animal was the okapi. And um, so that's kind of like the secret background on why that was included. I love that. Okay, it's Okapi. Now I will say it the right way. I think so, but uh, you know, maybe we'll check on that after. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, I I like that. There's a variety of you know things, animals that I like know of and am more familiar with, and can kind of like guess the meaning behind, and then ones that like are totally different. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to read this card in depth because I have no idea where this is going. (laughs) Well, I would love to ask both of you then um outside of the deck because like you said it's you know not necessarily something that you would pull every single day do you have any other practices that you do regularly they don't have to be shadow work related but just any sort of like self-care any sort of witchy spiritual routines that you have on like a daily or weekly basis Well, I don't know how familiar you are with um, the concept of a time Lord, um, stuff, but, um, essentially the way that this works, it's based on an astrological timing technique called annual perfections. And the idea behind this technique is that for every year of our life, we make our way through a different house in the birth chart. Um, and then, you know, the various themes of that house come forward for that year of your life. And then we look at like, okay, you know, what's the sign that rules that house? And what is the planet that rules that sign? And that planet becomes what is known as your time lord for the year. And so what I have done at, you know, over the past however many years at this point, and what I do every year um, is, you know, on my birthday, it's like, okay, I'm entering a new house here. And I now have a new time lord. And I spend a year of my life in devotion to that planet. Um, I am huge on planetary magic. Obviously, there's a very easy bridge between that practice and astrology. 
Um, and as an astrologer to think that that's what I feel drawn to, you know, but, um, but yeah, so I spend a year in devotion to what, whatever the planet is. Um, and then, you know, I will intentionally change my schedule. So I have the corresponding day of the week off and I do something, you know, every single week on that day, um, in devotion to that planet. Oh, wow, that is so beautiful. And no, not something that I was familiar with or have ever heard of anyone doing. That is such a great practice. Yeah, so it's actually like a Hellenistic and traditional astrology, like super old, you know what I mean? Um, and I obviously, because I'm an astrologer, I have a lot of astrologer friends. I know other people that practice that. Um, but yeah, most most clients, I will say, have usually not heard of that technique until we're doing a reading. <laughs> No, I love that. That sounds fantastic. And I love making a big deal out of birthdays and having it that's like sort of personal day of power. I love birthdays. Um, my birthday, anyone else's birthday. So I love that you have that whole practice dedicated to it that you then continue out through the entire year up until your next birthday. That's so cool. Yeah, it's honestly like it's really fun. And it's definitely something that has become like very powerful for me over the years. Oh, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. You should come up with something, Rose. You know, I'm like sitting here, right? And I'm just like thinking like, mm -hmm. but all I can think of is that, <laughs> um, you know, like like many artists, we I, I just like live and breathe art all day long, every day. And so um, <laughs> as far as like, you know, I, I have some practices outside of art, but, uh, <laughs> you know, arts, art is my thing. So, um, and when I think about how that integrates into my spirituality and my spirit in general. Um, oof. I mean, it gets deep pretty quickly. Um, so I, I think art and creativity more generally is um, like a liberatory practice, liberation through stewardship. And um, it's very obvious to me that the arts steward the mind soul and body of the artist and um, those who enjoy the arts so I guess what I mean by that is like art and creativity is so integral to human beings and I think when we recognize that creativity is actually stewardship we can uh, become more in touch with what I believe is you know our purpose on this planet which is to use our like immense power of influence, which is magic, right? Um, to be caretakers and in being caretakers, like collectively as a species, we then can experience joy and love and liberation at, at a level that is ecologically ecstatic and not just individually. So um, I think, you know, being like making art and being an artist is, um, I guess magic and witchy in that way, you know, in the way of protecting this purpose, no matter how far we separate ourselves from it. Absolutely. And I think that that is beautiful and amazing that you share it because I know for artists that really is sharing a piece of your soul and putting that out there for people Absolutely. to see and judge. And that's so hard to do. Yeah, I, it's it's become easier over the years, but it's still it is still difficult because it is it's part of the soul, and often it's our unconscious and uh, you know things we haven't really dealt with 
um, consciously and we're just advertising it to the world. Like, look, here is my, <laughs> here's the way I'm seeing this thing unfiltered. And, um, you know, whatever you think about it is, is up for grabs, I guess. Um, but I think most of the time, you know, that is actually uh, quite, um, people are, are quite gentle with um, the visual and musical expressions of people's unconscious. I try to be. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. I might not understand what I'm looking at or like what's going on right here, but I understand how it, important it is to the person who created it and put it out in the world. And for that, I have deep appreciation because that takes so much courage and not something that I would be able to do ever. <laughs> so I think that is a beautiful <laughs> practice. Um, and thank you for sharing it and also for sharing it in, through this deck. Thank you. I want to thank both of you for being here and taking the time out of your day to chat about this and share all about the story behind the deck and what you've created. I think it just turned out beautifully. So much great information. I think it's going to be a great resource for a lot of people. And I am very much looking forward to your upcoming book and all of the projects that you two will do together. Thank you so Thank much. You. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I, I appreciate so much being here. And, you know, I love speaking to both of you. So thank you. Thank you. And listeners, I will have everything linked. So if you would like to reach out to the authors and illustrators to chat further, and you want to check out the deck for yourself and get your hands on it, I will have everything linked in the show notes over at witchwednesdays.com. And that is everything that I have for you this week. I will see you all next week. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Need even more? Subscribe to Patreon and YouTube for exclusive bonus content. Order a themed witchcraft box every month through Witch Wednesdays on Etsy. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. Find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com.